0: You'll open your Bibles, we'll be reading for 1 Peter 3.15, 1 Peter 3.15. I'll be reading out a new American standard. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who ask you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence, you may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you for being with us today, and we're so happy that we can be together, sing these beautiful songs, Oh They Tell Me of a Home. What a beautiful song, what beautiful themes that really emanate from that, that uh, song and that hymn that we're so familiar with that means so much to us. We're very happy to have our visitors with us today. If you're visiting, we're, we're certainly appreciative of your interest and your desire to be with us, and we hope that you'll come back and be with us tonight, 6 o'clock. As you notice on your bulletin, we try to post the sermons and the titles and the subject and the Bible reference that we're going to be using, the text uh, for each Sunday. That way we can sort of prepare for it. And uh, you can tell the difficulty I had a little bit in trying to put this together. I thought about speaking about one thing, then I decided to speak about this particular subject, and I'll tell you why. This is one of the hardest parts of my work, is to decide what is the needed truth. Now, we preach truth, but sometimes it's hard to decide what's the needed truth that needs to be preached. I was asked to speak on a lectureship, and I was asked to speak on the subject of hope. And so immediately as I do that, I go through my files, and I start looking at different materials. And I'm finding finding it a little difficult to find materials that I have used on the subject of hope, and so I go into other materials and other lectureships and sermons and sermon books and other research materials, and I'm finding it a little hard to find what brethren have preached on with regard to hope, and I thought this is a needed truth, and so I'm going to be speaking about hope, not only this Sunday, but Lord willing the next, and then conclude this series on hope on the 25th whereby we will talk about the king has come and his kingdom is here and that we need to be a part of it. And I want us to come to understand that we live in a world that is filled with trouble and sorrow and it is sin-saturated. Is there any hope for this world today? You know, there are two words you do not want to hear. If you're in the hospital you don't want to hear these two words if you're struggling with your marriage you don't want to hear these two words if you're out in the battlefield you don't want to hear these two words if you're in business you don't want to hear these two words and the two words that I'm thinking about are the words no hope because if you do not have hope then you will have despair. And if there is no hope, then there is no desire. Proverbs 18 and 14, the spirit of man can endure his sickness, but as far as a broken spirit, who can bear it? You know, there's a lot of things we can put up with and we can overcome them. Being away from the family is one of the things that is hard for me to overcome, but I know... Eventually, these kids and grandkids and everybody's going to get back together soon, and everybody will be together once again, and I look forward to that occasion. You and I can be sick, but we can endure that for a period of time because we know that we, if we take the proper medication prescribed by healthcare care professionals, that we will get better. And I can endure just about anything, I think, If I know my own heart properly, I could endure a death sentence. If I knew that immediately after that, that I would have eternal life and to be with God forever and ever. I think I could endure that because there's hope. There's hope for the realization that these things will come to an end. There's hope of the fact that we're facing the difficulties and the trials of life. But it's not always going to be this way. We have hope. I want you to know today that we live in a world that's filled without hope. For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 and 23. If you just look at that statement all by itself, you might think, well, what is there hope in? Because all of us are guilty of sin. You come to the fact of Colossians chapter 1. I've really grown to love this book of Colossians as I study it and I look at it very carefully. It's one of the prison epistles of the Apostle Paul and he makes mention of the fact that we were once in darkness but because of what Christ has done, now there is light. And I'm referring to verse 13 of chapter 1. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Another passage while I'm here would be Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 warns us that we're not to have any fellowship with darkness. It's an important passage of scripture. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Ephesians chapter 2 is another great passage that talks about the fact that our world is in darkness today and that we need to... Remember that and act accordingly because of it. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now that was Ephesians 2 verse 12. And the Apostle Paul's talking about their past condition. This is the way you were in the past. You were people that had no hope. Because you lived in a world that is filled with darkness and suffering and there's no opportunity otherwise and the point is without Christ. There's another Bible passage I think is closely related that helps us understand the situation that we find ourselves in with regard to the present world. It's James chapter 4. It's an interesting verse and I think he describes the The world in which we live in a very appropriate way, it's in verses 1 and 2 that I think that we should spend a moment and think about. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source, your pleasures, that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You have envy and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, I know the context is different from the way in which I'm applying the passage, and I want you to understand that. But that's a good explanation of the world in which we live. And that's what I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand why this world is the way that it is. And this world is the way that it is is because it is without Christ. And there's darkness out in this world, spiritually speaking. And people are lost in this world, though they don't even realize it. A lot of times I will try to build a particular argument and then give the conclusion to that particular argument at the end of the discussion. And in trying to develop the sermon, I try to show this is where we're building to, this is where we're going, now here's the point, the real point of what we're saying. But I think I'm going to do the reverse of that today, And these lessons that are talking about hope, I'm going to give you the bottom line right now. I'm going to tell you what the point of this sermon is, and then we'll look at the evidentiary material that builds to it. Our hope rests on the love of God, for without it we would have no hope. But because of the love of God, we have great hope today. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God tells us about His great love, and it's beyond our ability to fully fathom and understand God's great love and care for our lives. But because of it, I've got hope. Now that passage we read here just a moment ago, "Be able to give the reasons for the hope that lies within you, and I'm giving you some reasons. I have hope today, because of the love of God. First Peter talked about it. First Peter chapter one, the verse verse 20. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. That's why I have hope. My hope, my faith is in God. And that's one of the reasons that I'd give you with regard to my hope today. But I want to give you another point that we're going to work toward and develop as time goes along. I have hope today because of Jesus Christ. And I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is the verse that I have in mind. And in this particular passage, he makes this point for us. It's in 2 Thessalonians 2, and the verse, verse 16, and in verse 17. And there, um, he's making the important point that this is how we're saved by means of Jesus Christ. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Now, again, that Bible passage is 2 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Bible passage there is saying this hope comes from Jesus Christ and all that Jesus has done. And the fact of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ are facts that give us hope for obtaining eternal life. But I want to give you another reason with regard to the hope that lies within us, which is what the Apostle Peter was trying to get us to do. Tell people why you have hope. Well, why would you tell them you have hope? In a world that's filled with such darkness, why would you have hope? Well, I want to tell you today that I have hope today because of God the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter fifteen, in the verses verse thirteen, there the apostle Paul makes this particular point. He says, "In in um, this important matter, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." Now that particular passage, of course, came to us in Romans chapter fifteen and verse thirteen it talks about the fact that faith and hope really are closely related items. In fact, one spills over into the other. And that the Holy Spirit is responsible for this as well. Not only God the Father, God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit are involved in the fact that I have hope today in a world that is filled with such darkness. Faith. You automatically have hope because of your faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 Now the substance of these things are hope for the evidence of things not seen faith in what God is and what God has done gives us hope faith in Jesus Christ and his death burial and resurrection gives us hope faith in the word of God revealed by God the Holy Spirit gives us hope for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God how would we ever have hope without the revelation of God, the Holy Spirit. And he's given it to us in the pages of the Bible. And I read it and I understand it. And because I read it and I understand it, now I have hope, hope for obtaining eternal life, hope for this life and the life to come. And if somebody were to come to me and say, why do you have hope in a world that's filled with such darkness, in a world that's filled with such error and sin? I can give you an answer to that. And I want to help you with that answer today. Now, it's not the kind of hope that the world thinks. The world thinks when they think about the word hope, they think about, well, I sure hope the check comes in the mail. Or, I sure hope that they're able to get the car fixed by Tuesday. Or, I hope I get a new bicycle for Christmas. That's not the kind of hope the Bible's talking about. That's a worldly kind of hope and a worldly kind of expectation. But a biblical hope is a confident expectation to receive. I've not received it yet. I have not obtained it yet. But I'm confident that I'm going to receive it. How can I have confidence in such an age such as this? How can I have this kind of certainty with regard to the hope that the Bible talks about? Well, based on the three premises that I've given you, I've got ten reasons why we can have hope and I'm going to give them to you. Now, I'm not going to be able to do all that today. That's why I said in the beginning, we'll study some of this today. We'll look at this again next Sunday, Lord willing. And then we're going to conclude this on the last Sunday of the, of the month, what the calendar calls December the 25th. And on that particular day, we're going to bring it all together because the King has come, and His kingdom is here, and we need to be a part of it. And because of that, we, Live in hope, a confident expectation to receive. I live in biblical hope today because of God's plan for my life. And that plan is a good plan. If you turn to the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, there you and I have studied rather carefully this matter of the book of Jeremiah on other occasions. And you'll remember how the Jeremiah is emphasizing to the children of Israel their need to repent of their sins and get back in the right relationship with God because they are facing 70 years of a terrible captivity because of their rebellion and their refusal to be obedient to the will and the Word of God. And you come to chapter 29, and in chapter 29 you come to about verse 11. And he's talking about in that section, I like to give the context so that the passage will have meaning, talking about the future. And the future, even though it's rather dark right now because of sin, there is a wonderful future that God has planned for you that should fill your life with hope. And the verses, verse 11. I'm in Jeremiah chapter 29, and the verses, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Now that's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And God was saying for the Old Testament people, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And because that purpose is a good purpose, you can have a great future and you can have great hope. If somebody asks me why I have hope, I can tell them because God's plan is for my good and I know it. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, you got one of the great passages of all of the Bible and it really bears serious study and consideration. You and I visited it a number of times. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, that's Romans eight twenty-eight. Contextually, it would be good to go back and look at that great chapter because not only is he talking about God's unfolding of His divine plan for our lives... But he's also talking about the individual himself and how that God is concerned about the individual and is working out his good will for them. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That means you. That means me. And because of that, I have hope. Now, I may not be much to the Social Security Department except a number. And I may not be much to the politicians who are in Washington, D.C., except being a constituent, whereby they come along and solicit my vote at the time of election. I may not be very much with regard to the military establishment that we've got in this great country, but to God I'm something, and He's given me a plan. He's got a purpose for my life, and that purpose gives me great hope and consolation in a world filled with darkness i got great hope because God's got a great plan and it's for my good. I have great hope today because you will see God's goodness in this life. Not only is it a matter of having a good plan for me, but I can see the benefit of that plan right here and right now. And I'm turning to Psalm 27. I'll read a couple of passages out of the book of psalms and i want to go to this psalm 27 it's a, a particularly pointed passage with regard to this matters it talks about the purpose and the plan of god for my life which is what i'm thinking about at the very present and i want you to notice as i read this particular psalms in verse 13 and 14 as to the sequence of when these events take place Now, again, i love to give the context to this matter, but I'll not be able to do that for the time's sake. But I'm going to read Psalm 27, 13, and 14. I want you to watch for it. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the lord now the bible writer there in psalm 37 and the verse again is verse 13 to 14 said i would have been filled with despair if all i had to do was to look around me and see what's going on at the time but i see the goodness of the lord but did you notice when he saw the goodness of the lord that it was in the land of the living Now, when he talks about seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, he's not talking about heaven. I know that there's going to be the goodness of God for my life in heaven. And I know there's going to be a great day in heaven in which I'll receive the blessings promised through the Scripture and through the sacrifice of Christ. But now he's talking about the fact, I saw the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So in this life I saw God's goodness I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Now that's a hard one. Because God's time schedule is always the right time schedule. But my time schedule and God's time schedule don't always agree. Because sometimes I want it right now. But God says this is going to happen on my time schedule at the right time for your benefit. It's like the man who prayed for patience one day and he said, Lord, give it to me right now. That's the kind of attitude we have with regard to our petitions to the Lord. I want it right now. But we've got to learn to wait on the Lord because He will do it in the right time and in the right way. And I'm so grateful for the goodness of God's plan for my life. And it's a good plan. And it's a plan that I can see unfolds even in my own lifetime. He says in this particular matter that his plan is of abundant goodness. And that's the third reason that I have hope today. And if somebody comes along and says, do you have hope in God? I say, yes, sir. Do you have hope in Christ? Absolutely. In a world filled with chaos And trouble and do you have I have hope and let me give you some reasons why I have hope God has a plan it's a plan that I can realize at least seeing it unfold even in my own life in the land of the living it is a plan that is filled with abundant goodness with regard to my life And for that, I want to turn to Psalm 31 and verse 9. And I'm right here in the Psalms, so I think I'll stay with this just for a moment. But I want us to notice again the time expectation that he mentions for us. And I'm in verse 19. How great is your goodness? Now, that's my point. I have a lot of hope today because of the goodness of God and its great abundance which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. Now, when he talks about the sons of men, to what does he refer? He's talking about the time in which we live. In the very day and in the very time, we can see something of the great goodness and the divine plan of God unfolding in our lives. And we have great hope because of it. Now I want you to notice another important point that i give you here out of the 10. This is number four. The fourth point that I'm thinking about and that I have in mind is the point that God starts and He finishes. When God starts it, He's going to finish it. God doesn't start something and He just quits. Now I'm in Psalm 138 and I saw this particular point from that passage and I turned to it to emphasize the point for us. In Psalm 138, in the verse of verse 4, God will fulfill his purpose for us. And in 138, verse 4, he makes this particular statement, which is helpful to me. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord, when they have heard the words of your mouth. They know that God is going to finish what he has planned He has a great purpose for you. There is great great glory awaiting us in eternity. And we will praise Him and receive the glory that He has given to us. If I will cooperate with Him, if I will be submissive to Him, if I will be obedient to Him, I will see God's fulfilled plan one day that I'll have to wait on it. It'll be at the right time, and it'll be in the right fashion. But I'm going to receive the fulfillment of God's plan. Then I want to give you this point, which I implied already. And this is the fifth point. And it'll be about as far as I can go with this today. I have hope in God. And I live in a manner of hope because God's going to finish what He started. Now, I want to go to Philippians chapter 1. And in Philippians chapter 1... Here's another great book that I've really learned to love as I've gotten older and I'm studying my Bible, and I think you'll grow to love it too as you look at it. And the great point of Philippians chapter 1 is the fact that Christ is the key to confidence and joy. He's writing it from the standpoint, and this is an amazing thing, he writes it from the standpoint of being in chains. He's imprisoned in Rome. you got four Roman uh, epistles that were written in Rome. This is one of them, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, and then the little book of Philemon was written while Paul was a prisoner at the time, being in the 50s and the 60s AD. The point of the passage right here is in verse 6. Now, I want you to notice as I survey a little bit of Philippians chapter 1, how he talks about him being thankful for the past. But then when we get a little deeper into chapter 1, he's going to be confident about the present and that's the point that we're really interested in God finishes what he starts and if he has a plan for your life he's going to finish it you've got to cooperate with him you've got to obey him you've got to be submissive to him but God will see it all the way to the end now really the focus of the point is in verse 6 so I turn to Philippians chapter 1 I'm in verse 6 for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's confident about that particular matter. The apostle Paul was raised in a city called Tarsus. And then, of course, at a young age, he was brought up. He went to school in Jerusalem. There's a lot of speculation with regard to the wealth and the background of his family, a free man receiving citizenship by birth, His family somehow received citizenship. I don't know exactly how. The text doesn't tell us and the background doesn't give us that kind of information. Then he becomes a world traveler for Christ. And his home is anywhere there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's thinking about the church at Philippi. And he's thankful for them. And he's saying to the church at Philippi, he says, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. He said in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. See, he's thankful of the past. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And see, they had been very helpful, beneficially with regard to the preaching of the gospel. Financially, they had helped him. And he's writing this letter of Philippians to thank them for the help... And the support that they've been giving him, even now while he's in change, he's thankful of this particular matter. But he's also confident. He's not only thankful of the past, he's confident of the present. And this word that I mentioned a moment ago, confident, comes up over and over Again, in this book Greek has a way of joining words together I call them a family of words this this word has a group in its family and that kind of word has a group in its family and this word confident comes up no less than five times in this book with these different family words for example I'm in chapter 1 verse 6 again for I am confident this very thing That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus. Verse 14. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Courage there, as this translation puts it, is one of those family words related to confident. I'm in verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Confidence, or this, uh, he's being convinced, is one of those family words related to our word and study for the present. I'm in chapter 3, and the verse I have now is verse 4. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh... If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more, uses the word confidence twice in chapter 3 and verse 4. It's over and over and over again. And what does he have confidence in? What God starts, he will finish. And in this particular chapter, chapter 1, he started in you a good work, and I know that God will finish it. Are you going to have to cooperate with God? Some people stumble at this particular point. They think, well, God's going to finish it in me. That means I cannot fall. But that's certainly not the case. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Over and over again, we give illustrations of people who refuse to cooperate, who refuse to be obedient to the will of God, and refuse to be submissive to the divine will of God. But if you will be faithful, faithful to the teaching of God, faithful to the Word of God, God will perfect He will bring to completion this great work which He has in mind for you. Now, how's He going to do that? And that's the first question that naturally comes to my mind. One of the first ways that comes to my mind about how God is going to bring this about would have to be Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. He's talking about the Word of God there. And the Word of God is sharp. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's going to bring that about through His Word. He's going to bring that about by my study of the Word of God and my submissiveness to it. But I tell you, more than that, I should say in addition to that, He's going to complete this great work. You see, this is what gives me such hope. He's going to complete this great work in my life by the events that take place in my life. Now for that, I go to Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, I'm looking at verses 3 through about verse 5. And there he says, And not only this, but also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's going to bring that great purpose about and he's going to bring it to completion. Paul's use of the word completion there in Philippians chapter 1 is a word which means bring it to maturity, to complete He's going to complete His purpose in your life. And in turn, you have hope for that by being faithful and obedient. I'll tell you something else. How's God going to complete this matter that He started in my life? going to use the Word, and He expects me to obey that Word. He expects me to understand it and apply it to myself. He's going to use events in my life, sometimes suffering, sometimes difficulties, adversities in life in order to bring this purpose to completion and he's going to use other people to help me 2nd corinthians chapter 7 and the verse is verse 6 other people in my life will help me but god who comforts the depressed 2nd corinthians 7 and 6 comforted us by the coming of titus when Titus came, it was a great sense of comfort for him. Other people were a means of comfort and hope. That's how God's going to do that for our lives. He's going to console us, build us, help us, accomplish the great purpose. Because you know what? What God starts, he finishes. And that's where I have Hope. Now, I've been looking about the individual for the present because that's what I'm so interested in. But I'll tell you what, I'm also interested in God's hope for this world and for humanity. And I'll talk about that next time we come together. But I've learned five important reasons. God's plan is for our good. You see God's goodness in this life and all of the wonderful things that he's done for us. God's goodness is an abundant goodness. Look what he's done. God fulfills his purpose for us. He does not just leave us out there as the deist would have us believe. You see, you've got some brethren who I think flirt too closely with deism whereby they think, well, God did great things in the past, but God doesn't do anything today. That simply is not true. God will fulfill by means of providential care in his own good way these great plans and purposes which he has for us and God will finish what he starts if there's anything that gives me an ache it's for me to start something and not finish it and it's like standing on a tack if I start reading a book and then I don't finish it and I set it back it's, I just can't hardly get over that But I've started things and I didn't finish them. And I regret it. But when God starts something, he finishes it. And what he wants is to finish his purpose for our lives. And that gives me hope. A confident expectation to receive what God has in store for me. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, we studied that rather carefully, is giving them great motivation to remain faithful to God. Don't be caught up in the events of this world that are so negative and so filled with darkness that we cannot see the forest for the trees, that we cannot see God working in our lives. We cannot see the great purpose that God has in store for us, a purpose of eternal life to live the best possible life here and eternal life in the life to come. And that's God's plan for our life, for us to repent of sin, confess our faith in Christ, to be baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, and in so doing, receive eternal life in the after a while. If you haven't been aware of God's plan for your life, then let's study it together. If you don't understand it, we'll take the Bible and sit down and we'll come to understand it. If you haven't focused on the importance of God working in your life and the plan of God that has, has, He has for your life, then you need to repent of that and get back into focus once again and turn to Him out of an obedient faith. And you too can live a life of hope, confident expectation. To receive, won't you obey the gospel today? Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing. God is coming, the Lord will come without delay.